Personally, I think if Chuck the Condor wants Botox, he should just get Botox. Welcome to Spinsters, a podcast where we're as open to feedback as Jerry West. I'm Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins is not here, which makes me sad. But we did have a wonderful guest, which is Paul Shear, which I went on his Wikipedia, and literally the list is really long of his, um, all of his credentials, but he's an actor on Black Monday, The League, which was one of my favorite shows when it was on. He's been on Veep, Big Mouth, the movie The Disaster Artist. He's a comedian, a podcaster of How Did This Get Made, which has been on, that was like one of the original podcasts, which is wild. He's a writer, a director, a winner of multiple Tough Mudder competitions, and a producer. And a Clippers fan, which is what we're going to be talking about today. So here is Paul Shear. Why did I almost just say Paul Rudd? Paul Shear. <laughs> so Paul, the first question I have for you is one that I feel like you've gotten a lot, but I could not find it online. Okay. Have you ever played fantasy basketball? And I'm obviously asking this because the show you were on for many years, The League, yes. was about fantasy football. No, I have never played fantasy basketball. I have not found anyone truly, or I haven't found a group of people with enough patience to engage in that. I, I've, I've asked, I've tried, and uh, I can't get it together. I can't get a little league going. So yeah, I have not been able to, to embrace it. I want to. I want to be there. But it also feels intense. It's so intense and it's confusing. Like I was helping my sister's boyfriend draft and the key to it is to draft centers. And that just feels like antithetical to today's yeah. NBA. Yeah. I mean, I guess not because Jokic just won MVP, but it's honestly not <laughs> that fun. You really have to care. I think too much because obviously I care about basketball and I stopped doing it like two years ago. Here's what I think was a good middle ground for that, which was at the beginning of a season, you each take a team um, and like a player, like there was some version of this I was talking to a friend about, like you basically just pull it from a hat and then that is your, like you win by who is number one or at the top of the heap or who has the best player out of the ones that you've drafted. So it's like, it's a, a one pick and you're done. And I think you have to do it out of a hat because you know everyone would pick a different team. But Look, this year, who would have thought the Milwaukee Bucks would be in the finals? I mean, so it really can go any which way. Well, I mean, the Suns, too. Yeah. Or, you know, the Hornets as good as they were. Or Yeah, actually, that's a great idea. That's what my dad does with us for March Madness. I think that's the way to go. Because then it's like, okay, I can root for a team that is my fantasy team, but I don't have to worry about getting on there. And it, is it Tuesday? Did I do it too early or too late that I read the injury report, right? Because I also feel like I'm so invested in my team and basketball that um, when you care too much about it, uh, then it gets even, you don't want to see, you don't want to see other people doing well against a team that you like. Fantasy football, I have a little bit more, I'm a little bit more removed from, I don't mind it as much. But here I would be like, oh, if you're scoring on the Clippers, I'm not going to be psyched about that. I don't want that. That's bad karma for me. Well, I mean, I say this with, all due respect, sure, which of is, course. of course, the preface of like, this is about to be disrespectful, but I aren't know. you a Jets fan? Look, I grew up 
a Jets fan and I it's a tough a tough road. Basically, I am a New York kid. I grew up as a Ranger fan, a Jet fan, a Knicks fan and a Yankees fan. That was my my whole sporting life. But when I moved out to LA, this like this notion dawned on me which was like, "Oh, I'm never going to be able to bring my kids to a game." And I don't want to have like kids who grow up in LA and are like, "I like New York teams, but I can never see them and you can only go see the Knicks like twice a year and it will be like an afternoon game and suck." You know, so there was something about when I came out here that I was like, "I'm going to start fresh." I could start fresh cuz especially the Knicks and the Jets, I was like, <laughs> "Let me just try to reinvent myself a little bit here." And that's that's what I have done. So I've I've tried to do it. Uh but since I've had kids, my football watching has gone down tremendously because it's one day it's during the day i mean it's not one day but it's basically one day. it's basically one day yeah. yeah and like sunday is not like a day where i'm like out i'm on playgrounds i'm getting sundays i'm going to gymnastics camp i don't have that time so i've like lost a little bit of my uh, my my drive in the football field you know that happened to my dad too because we were big like a big soccer family. Yeah. And so the tournaments are Saturdays and Sundays and you're gone all day. Yeah. So yeah, he also, I mean now because we are from Louisville, we're Ravens fans because of Lamar, yeah. obviously. But yeah, yeah. you kind of fall off of football, but basketball is different because basketball is every night. You could also miss five games and just watch the it next make two. It doesn't difference. Yeah, you can kind of keep up with stuff. I, I have like a little, I have my Twitter timeline where I have all my people that I really like who talk about basketball, uh, you are in that as well, like where it's like I can just follow these people and I can feel like I'm up to date. It's just there's a little bit more of a fast pace to it. I can't also get into baseball. I can't like I love watching a baseball game, but like to jump in and follow a season like that, uh, that's lost on me, too. I, I like that's almost too like that's an obscene amount of TV time. I like baseball games because I like beer and coordinated dances like the wave. So that's it yes. really hits two great spots for me. But yeah, it's the baseball season is um, way too long. And All speaking right. of fantasy, like fantasy baseball people. Yes. Forget it. For, yeah. like, I, I think. All right. I'll tell you this much. First of all, you like beer and you like dancing. I have a tip from my my buddy, Rudy. He told me he's like, my trick at a baseball game is. I never finish a beer. You always have to have, once you get to half a beer, you have to go out and get another beer because at any point, if you are on the Jumbotron and you get on that Jumbotron, you have to be able to chug a full beer. And I never had that in my mind. And now I love that idea. Like I've gotten on the Jumbotron a numerous uh, amount of times now. And I'm like, I've yet to be able to chug a full beer. And I feel like he just gave me this piece of wisdom the other day. And I, now I have to I have to keep it with me that you have to always have a full beer ready to go just in case you get on that screen. People go crazy. You'll be here. Yeah, no, that's that's truly wonderful. So, I mean, you've been in L.A. for a long time. You know, there's all kinds of just crazy shit that you can go to. I went to this brunch one time that was a mm -hmm. club. Okay. Within the brunch. Okay. And they had this giant wheel that you would spin and it would say what you had to do. And my <laughs> friend Drew chug a beer and they gave her a bottle, which I just thought was like inherently setting her up to fail. Yeah, that's not it's a so good, much harder. Yeah. Ever since that moment, I've realized I'm in a, at any point I could be asked to chug a beer. And especially if I'm in a baseball game. So I'm going to take that advice. 
chugging From a your beer friend, will Rudy make Gobert? you a hero. <laughs> oh, Rudy Gobert, my good friend, the defensive player of the year, Rudy Gobert, uh, gave me this piece of advice. Uh, no, my my buddy, he's actually, I call him my buddy because I see him a lot and it seems odd. He is my barber and I'm a bald man. So I get to the barber a lot because I'm not cutting this shit by myself. And uh, and he he is a giant Dodgers fan. So he has a couple of good tips there. But I do believe that when you chug a beer successfully, the world is your friend. And when you, you botch it, it, you are you will you'll never be as low. Like people, yeah, it's it's embarrassing. You don't want to. She see didn't. It. She couldn't do it. I'm not going to name her by name because, no, again, like it was, I yeah. She I was mean, set I, up to fail. She was set she up. She was to set fail. up to fail. Um, but she's in therapy now, and so Good. she's Good for like her worked getting, past it. Yeah, yeah that's important. It, you know, she has to. Yeah, something I want to talk to you. Speaking about like L.A. and the persona and everything from yeah. all the interviews I saw, you've been in mm-hmm. when you when you're asked about like why the Clippers and not the Lakers. Yeah. You say, A, because they're the underdogs, Mm -hmm. and I like that, and B, because you feel like as a comedian, you can relate to the extra hustle that you have to put into something as an underdog. And then it's true. like There are a lot of comedians who are here and have become Clippers fans instead of Lakers fans, but what industry do you – like when we're talking about other teams, like what would finance – where do the finance bros – like where would they fit into? Okay, well, I have like a theory about all of this. Finance bros are definitely Laker fans. I mean, because uh, it's the most successful. Like, I have nothing negative to say about the Lakers. They are, I think of the Lakers and the Dallas Cowboys as the mascots of sports. Like, if you don't know anything about sports, you know the Dallas Cowboys logo and you know the Lakers logo. They are historic. I would argue, and probably too much of a uh, much to Boston's chagrin that they are way more famous than Boston, even though Boston has just as many titles. Like I don't think the Celtics carry the weight that the Lakers do. And I think part of that is the Hollywood part of it. I think their uh, players are a little bit more iconic. And I know Larry Bird. Yes. But you look at the, the wealth of Laker fans. So there's no, like it's the apex. It's the top of the mountain. Like why wouldn't you want to be a Lakers fan? And I get all of that. I think for me, I, you know, what you said, yes, I agree with everything that you said that I said, Uh, but I also, (laughs) but I also think like coming into a new town and jumping on the bandwagon of like a team like that, it felt so easy to me. It felt so like lame to be like, now I'm going to be like, I'm going from the Knicks to the, the, the Lakers. Like it just felt, it felt stupid. So I wanted to at least have a team that I, I felt like I wasn't just trading away the Knicks uh, for, and, and the Clippers were a little bit more exciting at that point, or were just interesting. There was stuff going on there, and I think every year that I've been a fan, it's given me a reason to kind of check back in. And I will say, you're right, like a lot of comedy fans or a lot of comedy writers and actors uh, are, are, are Clipper fans, and whenever I find one, I'm like, oh my gosh, you too? Like, as at the game, I know Damon Lindelof a little bit, who you know uh, co-wrote Lost and Leftovers and Watchmen, and we were like, it was one of the, the game six uh, when they got into the Western Conference Finals and I was cheering and he turned around. And I was like, oh my God, you're here. Like, it was like, there is like, uh, like this connection. Like, of course you're a Clippers fan. Of course you are. Like, there is You have a show that... called The Leftovers. Like, <laughs> so Sorry, don't all... hang up. No, don't I hang love up. It. I love it. I get all the jokes and I'm all into it. I'm not, I, I, 
I see it all. So I'm all there, but I do like I do like the hustle of it. So yeah. But Finance Bros, definitely Laker. Laker fans. Of course. They can afford the tickets. I couldn't afford a Lakers ticket when I first came to LA. I was poor as shit. I was working on MTV, making like, you know, a thousand dollars an episode and being like, I'm rich. Uh <laughs> and uh, you know, and I and like to buy a Lakers ticket was ridiculous. The best experience I've ever had though at a basketball game, hands down, was when Adam McKay let me borrow or have his tickets for a Lakers game. I've never sat like I was under the basket. It was insane. It was amazing. And then also conversely, I feel slightly responsible for Kobe's last injury as a Laker because (laughs) we were shooting daddy's home and I was doing this big scene in the middle of daddy's home where uh, they go to a basketball game and Will Ferrell gets drunk at the game and he he throws a, a basketball in like a cheerleader's face. And we shot that live at a game, and it was a Lakers uh, Pelicans game. And Kobe finally agreed to be in a movie. It was the first time he ever agreed to be in a movie, and that was the game where he re-injured his hamstring. And that was like the beginning of the end. Like we were all there. We were like we had all these amazing passes. We were like on the court. It was like oh my god, we get to watch Kobe. Like and he's a part of this, and he's like doing bits with Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. It's everything is great. And then uh, yeah, he gets injured, and it was. I, I'm like, oh, I was at that game. It was so, it was awful. It was an it was an awful, awful injury, and it was also crazy that they went through all these hoops to have this kid in the movie be a fan of Kobe. Meanwhile, AD is right there, and truthfully, like AD has become, you know, I mean, like if you were to pick like who the kid should be a fan of, I think AD would have probably made more sense for longevity. That's literally a Seinfeld episode. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it was insane. It was. It was it was in, it was in the same moment. By the way, the bit that we, de- we that we did in Daddy's home was crazy because we didn't tell the audience that it was happening. So I came out as like a radio DJ at halftime, and you know, you like you're half checked in, you're half checked out at a basketball game at halftime. It's like what's going on, and so I'm out there, and I think that the people see Will or they don't know it's Will. It's like this is the old stadium, so it's like not even great on the screens. Like no one knows what's going on, but this guy looks drunk. And then he throws a basketball in this woman's face. And the, the air being sucked out of that stadium was so extreme. I had never felt anything <laughs> like it. It was, it was the best. We got it in one take. We got, like, it's one of those rare times where it's like, oh, we got it. Like, it just was perfection from the first moment because they swapped out a stunt person for a cheerleader who had, had, had been there earlier. It was, like, perfectly orchestrated. And oh my god, that was like one of the that was one of the best experiences in a basketball stadium I've ever been a part of. It was like pulling a prank on everybody because he got dragged off and no one knew what it was for. And the next day, all the websites had Will Ferrell being like dragged off the field. The audience is like, he's no red panda, that's for sure. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god, that's amazing. I mean, it would have to be one take though. You you couldn't redo it because like the shock on everyone's face. Yeah. It was great. And it's like, I feel like people are, again, it's the best place to pull a prank like that only because you are so half paying attention. So when you when you heard the way it just sounded, like we practiced during the day a lot of just how we're going to ha- hand off the ball because the ball was also fake. I had to swap out the ball. Like there's a lot of the like. The ball was fake. What? The ball was like a Nerf ball because it was being oh, thrown. So it was to, yeah. Softer. Got it. So, but it still hit her and she took a hit. I mean, when you watch the scene, it's, it's beautifully done. I mean, she's an amazing stump person and, uh, yeah. And, but that ball going into her face, 
you know, it just was like, it was a shocking, shocking moment. I guess if uh, the industry of like stunt men and women was one, yeah. I, I would have to say it's the Grizzlies just purely because jaw every <laughs> single time he's like an inch from the ground. I'm like, how are you going to turn your body yeah. so you land? By the way, he's the, terrifying. The, the Grizzlies are our second. That's our house team at the family and our family. My kids love uh, the Grizzlies. So we are very big. We are like our second favorite team is the Grizzlies. They are fun fun team to watch uh and it's a great team to watch because there's no like it's fun to have like a couple multiple teams that you can get into and be like i'm i'm fully in on this team but my son is a big wearing grizzlies stuff all the time and people don't know what it is and they think it's cute because they think he like just likes like a bear because he's at the age he's a seven years old and he's at an age where it's like oh cute bear shirt he's like it's not a bear it's a grizzly <laughs> and like all right john morant He's like, all right, it's like it gets real passionate. It's also, about it. it's not cute. Like, it's cool looking, but it's yeah, extremely it's terrifying. Cute. Can yeah, I tell you, throwback. not to like talk too much about my kids, but my son is a, is seven years old. He's gotten so into basketball. He currently right now is at Occidental College playing with the, uh, the, the, uh, the coach of the women's basketball team there. She runs a camp. It's awesome. But he's so into old school basketball that he actually met Jerry West at one of the Clippers playoff games. And he was like, Dad, that's Jerry West, which was amazing that he was able to he recognize him. He can recognize him. Jerry West? Yeah. Like, wow. he has a book, like a coffee table book that he sleeps with, where he's like reading all about players. And so he recognizes Jerry West, and he's like, that's Jerry West. And, like, and I go, William, you want to go meet him? And he's like, yeah. So we go over to Jerry West. And he's like, you know, he's a seven-year-old kid, so I don't think Jerry West is used to that. I stay far behind because I don't want to be like one of those dads that are like, I, I want my kid to take a picture with you, but he does he wants to do it. So he's like, oh, my God, you're Jerry West. You only had three career blocks. <laughs> <laughs> he, like, served up Jerry West right there. And Jerry West, I think, was taken aback by it, but also impressed by it. Like, it was like, how the fuck does this kid know I have three career blocks? And he was like, oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And, he was like, and I think my son was saying it in a way like, that's pretty cool. Like, he was into it. But he's it's like, also you're like, the logo. But you were yeah. terrible on defense. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's like going up to like Shaq and being, oh, my God, I love you. You were, what, Your free throw percentage was just awful. <laughs> it's like I watch you on the halftime show and <laughs> Candace makes way better points. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Candace is so good on that show. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. Her. She's so, she's so my good. favorite part. So you have two kids, right? I have two kids. I have a, uh, I have a five-year-old or soon-to-be five-year-old and a seven-year-old. So he's still he's this just happened this year. This just happened. This is like our first experience going to games where I felt like it registered with him. Like the year before, uh, or I guess I should say the year before that, when there was a game still going on, uh, like he got to do like part of the high five club where they line up a bunch of kids and then all the Clippers run out and you could high five them. But if I'm a Clipper, I don't want to high five a bunch of random kids because I don't want them to mess up my hands or anything before a game. So well, there also, wasn't... like if you're Kawhi, you're just knocking them over. Like his hands oh, are massive. Kawhi's hands did not come out to play in that uh, <laughs> high five run. Uh, I think he got Zubak. That, that, that's about it. Uh, but yeah, so he did that and he met like Pat Bev and uh, a handful other Clippers who were so nice to him. But but like he didn't even remember that. This is the year where I feel like he knows the teams. He knows the players. He's obsessed with height. He also is obsessed with Jay Scrub, who is a Clipper. And he's a new Clipper, young guy, great guy. But the reason why he's obsessed with him is because he hates school. 
And I once told him, I was like, well, you know, Jay Scrub didn't go to college. He was like in Juco. So it's a little bit different. Like, a, like, so, like he's not in one of those things. And he's like, I want that's what I want to be. I want to go in Juco. And I'm like, no, no, like that shouldn't be the goal is that you shouldn't be like, I want. So like his, his basically like, he's like, oh, if I, I don't have to pay that much attention in school. If I could just go like, I could go to the Jay Scrub route. I'm like, this, this is not how we should be looking at anything. Like it just like, so like, yeah. So that's why his favorite player right now is Jay Scrub. Does the five-year-old like basketball? Uh, he tolerates it. Like he tolerates. It's not. It's not his thing. But he'll watch a little bit of it. But like, it's it's clearly my seven-year-old's thing that he wants to do all the time. My five-year-old, all he wants to do is throw the ball up for the tip-off when we play. That's all he wants to do. I was actually going to ask you your impressions of the season, but I kind of already know them from your tweets. So maybe instead we should. Just, I mean, what did your son think about this season? Oh, I'm going to tell you, it was such a sad moment when the series with the Suns was over. I was at the game. Gus was at home. Just because I knew, I in my mind, I knew how this game was probably going to go. I just didn't want to risk it. He was on the floor crying. like, And I forgot like how much like he was putting into it you know him and his friend that he plays basketball with down the block they were both in tears um but they got over it and he was able to talk about his emotions and get through it you know and i think that what we really took pride in and look as a clippers fan we have so much work to do and i say we and i hate using we and i apologize for that i'm not part of the team i don't think i'm a part of the team but it's easier to sometimes say we uh I don't I know. Think, that's kind of like Steve Ballmer's whole pitch, right? Is that he's this is the city, yeah, the city's team. Yeah, I think you can say I don't subscribe to any of the like. There's no rules in sports except for the rules you, like on the court. <laughs> okay, I like that. Can I ask you a question about this? Is a detour for a second. Is this a fair thing to say? Is there something to be like, like the Lakers are a Hollywood team, and I think the Clippers have redefined themselves as an LA team. If that makes any sense, I feel like they're trying to. I think that that's what they're they're what they're trying to do. Now, I obviously understand like in the culture of Los Angeles, the Dodgers and the Lakers are so ingrained with the people who grew up here. And I think the Clippers are trying not to go for that audience, but go like for the youth. Cause it's sort of like with Kawhi and the backpacks that went to all the kids in LAUSD and all the courts they're redoing. Like, I feel like there's a, a definite push to be like, we're LA. That's Hollywood. That's finance bros. We're neighborhood kids. Yeah, I think that that's totally fair. My friend who's a Clippers fan, Isaac Lee, he grew up here and that's he kind of holds the same. Yeah. yeah, he like he holds the same opinion of he grew up here and it's just a different it's not Hollywood all the time. But that kind of that's why I'm so confused by their mascot. Not their uh, mascot, like the unofficial Chuck the Condor. Yeah, just, yeah. No, I mean, I was You there should for do the... something that's far more LA, you know, that's that's than a endangered bird, which is I'm pretty sure Okay, this is a very tricky thing. I was there the night that Chuck the Condor was launched, um, and Steve Bomber. Immediately, I had some. I had some hot takes. I'm going to tell you this. I grew up as a St. John's University basketball fan, St. John's Redmond, right? And that, and so the St. John's Redmond. When I first started watching them as a kid, it was like Chris Mullen was on that team, uh, Mark Jackson, like so old school. Like I'm a young, young kid, and obviously the Redmond was. Uh, a term and they had a mascot that was racist like it was this Mm -hmm. you know big-headed uh native american running around it was and and so there was a moment where saint john's i think got ahead of it and they were like this is you know this is 
way, way, this is a long, long time ago. And they're like, we're, we're not, we're not going to be the Redmen anymore. We got to figure out something different. So then they became the St. John's Red Man. And I, I'm going to tell you, forget every terrible mascot you've ever seen because this one takes the cake. It was a man, a college-aged man in a red tuxedo, top hat and tails with a cane. And he would run out in the court in the middle of the game and like get the crowd pumped. And every time he ran out, he was booed with such intense anger. Like we went from this lovable mascot that I'm not talking about like, yes, that's racist, but, but uh, it was, it could be on shirts. It was a fun thing. Like there's something about it where it was very easy, very accessible to this college. Well, I mean, it's age. history. I think Ex that's yes. the, you know, and then there is a certain point in your life and maybe for some people it comes during college, which makes sense because you're in classes where you kind of become self-aware about what is fucked up and what's yeah. not. And so I'm sure that growing up, if you were a fan, maybe it didn't hit you until later if you're. Well, it's like, I think it's like there's something about it where it's like, it's just regardless of like the wrongheadedness of it, there's something like, oh, I know what that is. Like, that's like, there's a cool logo there, the, you know, the, whatever. There's a, there's a logo, but to go out with a, just a man in a red, like you went from something that is accessible on some level to something not accessible at all. Like the, I remember the pin, I had a pin, it said St. John's Redman, and it was a top hat, a cane and two gloves over each other. I was like. That is not the symbol that you want for basketball. So I'm used to terrible mascots because after that, it became like the St. John's Thunder and it was like some dumbass horse. Like I've seen all these terrible mascots. All I really want is the Phoenix Suns Gorilla. That's to me the best mascot uh, that you got. I mean, that, that, that's, you can't beat that. You can't beat the gorilla. Doesn't upset anybody. He's great looking. Chuck the Condor. It's kind of like a Disney character. And then he was pulled last year when he gave that soldier a wet willy. Do you remember the wet willy controversy? Uh, no. Okay. I don't. Is he the one who isn't, is he not the one who like was brought down from a game and then had like passed out? Oh, that I don't remember. I see that might have happened. Pelicans? That might have been the Pelicans. Cause I like, I would have remembered like the, the thing, his claim to terrible fame is for Veterans Day. They're like, everybody stand up for, you know, Jim Johnson, 107 years old, a veteran in World War One and Two, you know, whatever it is. And they have this old man, you know, who's barely standing. You know, everyone is giving him a standing ovation. And Chuck the Condor mimes, licking his finger and then sticking it in his ear, giving him a wet willy. And then from that moment on, Chuck the Condor was on probation. Like, we did not see Chuck the Condor for I would say a handful of weeks. I feel like Chuck the Condor went to like rehab or something like that. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, uh, I was going to say like the great thing about that job, I suppose, is like there is a great thing is that nobody be able to tell if you were fucked up. And that <laughs> seems yeah. like it has to be the case like a good majority of the time. I think you might be right. I mean, or like it's I don't know. Like there's only so many things you can do, you know, as a big suited mascot. And if you're not like just jump, I mean. I don't know. Mascots. I want to I want to have a mascot that I like. I mean, Lakers don't have a mascot, right? They don't they have the Laker girls, but that the Clippers have their things. It's well, like, they just have like they have crazy like obviously you've been to a bunch of Lakers games, too. Like they, it's a production. They don't yes. need this yes. guy running around, but I'm sure that they do. You're right. It's a limited number of things like 
they have like the little Tom Brady thing on their wrist where they go to a certain amount of plays and he just picked Wet Willie and it was the wrong one. It was, yeah, it was not, it was not good. I mean, I just want, if we were going to have a new mascot, I, I would want to uh, just make it Steve Bomber. Just make him run around. I, I'm more excited about a sweaty, armpitted man too psyched. I, I just want that guy. I just want like a guy just like, just jamming about being excited or, or, you know, maybe mascots are just old school. I don't know. I don't, like, I don't feel like there's a, an excitement around them. I feel like there was a, a, a simpler time. A mascot was a simpler time. Because now we got like people DJs in there. We got p- people pumping up the crowd, hype people. It's like, I don't know. I mean, also, I was at like, uh, I was at the Suns game uh, for the uh, world, uh, for the Western Conference Finals. And that gorilla now is like up on a pedestal because of COVID. So he's not even around, even though he's fully in a mask. Uh, like, you don't need it. The crowd's bringing enough heat. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Unless he's Steve jumping Bomber's through a, a good one. Yeah, well, we Bomber. were trying to think about before me and Harry, our producer, we were trying to think about like what represents L.A. Because like you're saying, it's the L.A. team, not the Hollywood team. And none of them had like great connotation. Like we were like, OK, the smog. Yeah. The 101. Be- the feeling like the- bad about yourself and considering plastic <laughs> surgery while you're stuck on the 101. Like none of them really felt great. How about this? How about you have a mascot who gets plastic surgery throughout the game? So <laughs> it starts off, and if if the, if this if you're winning, they are confident it looks good, or or they don't do it. But if you're losing, they they are just adding to themselves. I mean, it's you know, like, hangman, but with nose jobs. <laughs> yeah, no, nose I think job, that's a great calf implants, butt implants. <laughs> uh, I would love to see all that. I mean, there is so many bad versions of what it could be. I mean, you could. I mean. There, thank God, there's no like, hey, hang ten, the Clippers are gonna win. You know, some oh, surfer like the surf- shit. I mean, that yeah. would fit the clip, the actual Clippers, you know, name better. I feel if like it a was Clipper, a it w- or maybe like a regatta guy, some guy out of like, uh, like Long Beach, wearing like a a white sweater. I mean, that's kind of very much the St. John's Red Man, uh, a white sweater over like you know, drinking a glass of like Chardonnay or something like that. <laughs> like, I own a Clipper ship. You know, I don't know. It's, I mean, I guess it's good that we've, you know, it's, it's hard because I'm sure they're focus tested. I'm sure Chuck was focus tested. Uh, but I like, I don't know who approved him. I don't know. I've been in those focus test rooms. I've run those rooms and I don't think you're going to get the right for answer. NBA things. No, for movies and like products. That was like one of the ways I made money back in the day. I did not know that the NBA did focus groups until we did an interview for this episode we did on illegal defense and how, uh-huh. you know, they used to like the yeah. end zone. Does your son know that? Because I'd be really impressed. Because there's know, a lot he, of things in that episode I had no idea about. We are reading every night before bed sprawl ball, which is like a, uh, a great book. Kirk's yeah, book. Yeah. yeah. And so we are, we are deep in sprawl ball and like we're learning about a lot of different stuff. So if he's not there yet, he like right now he's very versed on how James Harden is how his points are so high, but why he why they are so high because of the fouls and like so he's he's up in all this stuff and about the three point shots versus two point shots. Like yeah, he's he, like he's learning. He's learning quick. That's amazing. And when we were doing that, it was I had no idea about this. They do focus groups for rule changes. Oh really? So I'm sure that there's yeah, I'm sure that there's a Harden one for rule changes and for like ratings and are you enjoying this? Maybe it's not rule changes actually. Maybe I just misremembered it because I was like blown away that they do it well, at all. But it's it, they definitely like in 98, 99, 2000, they were like, "Are you having a good time?" and everyone was like, 
No. <laughs> well, it's like suck. I know they try stuff out in G League too. Like they'll try mm-hmm. like the coaches challenge. My issue, and I, I, I don't know, and you probably have already talked about this, so I apologize if I'm bringing this up again. But where do you fall on the idea if the coaches challenge is used and it's successful? I think they should get that challenge back. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's the weirdest thing ever. And yeah. to be honest, if they use the challenge, it's also it is beneficial for both sides. You get yes. a little rest. You can talk to your players. It's that, you know, players can talk to each other. Yeah, absolutely. You should get it back because it does advantage in some way both teams because you get a breather even if the call is reversed. And no, you, you also, need to get it back. Yeah. And I also believe that like if you I mean, it's so funny when I watch players call for a coach's challenge like in the first quarter because you're like, well, they're never going to use it now. There's no reason to use it now. And and if you use it now, you're just you're subjecting your team to more dirty plays that might not be seen because you can't do another coach's challenge. Like it does. I think it's a weird thing. I, I, I want that. That's such an easy rule to get. Like just, yeah, if it's successful, you get it back. Done. Easy. That's like that's not I don't I think people would be excited about that. It would actually make the coaches. It would be fun to see like, oh, who has the most successful coaches challenges and, and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, we actually, somebody wrote about that because although we don't get it back or the coaches don't get it, now I'm doing the we thing, which is again, it's fine with me. The, I think, was it Brad Stevens? It might've been Brad Stevens. It might've been Rick Carlisle rip, but like, I don't know. I can't remember. Um, I have a, I have a question for you that I think is a little embarrassing on my part. Okay, sure. Go for it. I read this interview that you did with a Clipper site. Okay. And they asked you if you've ever done anything with players and you said, yeah, I did a space jam read with yes. Jandre Jordan and Blake Griffin. And Blake Griffin yeah. is like your guy. You were, he was my entry point guy. Uh, very much like that, like that version of the Clippers was really what like cemented my, I'm all in now. I'm, I'm excited about this. Yeah. Lobs. I think for everyone, Lob City was a lot of fun until it clearly wasn't. Like, yeah. How many postseasons in, um, by and the way, that that's Doc's fault. It might be. Well, that's actually what I'm about to ask you about. Okay. Your answer was because they were like, have you done anything else besides the yeah. Space Jam thing? Your answer was, and this is a couple of years ago, so I'm interested yeah. if you remember this. Doc Rivers and I did Waiting for Godot at Bla- a Black Box Theater. Was that a joke? Yes, that is. A okay, joke. I knew I knew that's why I'm embarrassed <laughs> because I was like, there's no way that this is real. But if you think about it, it is a play. About two people like waiting for something that never yeah. happens, which feels I, like Lob <laughs> City, right? I mean, a hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that, that I would love to have done uh, waiting for Gato <laughs> with Doc Rivers. <laughs> um, I had to take the chance because no, as it would have <laughs> that would have been a great story. Down on him that I am, I do just think he's like such a fascinating person. I've always wanted to do some kind of feature on him, like where we're playing golf. Then I'd I have love to learn Doc. golf, but. I love Doc as a human being, and I think that his voice in the bubble allowed the bubble to continue. I think that I always look to him as someone who, like like Pop, like who could speak in a way that was unifying, but also very pointed. Like so, I have a lot of like love for Doc. Um, obviously, you know when they fired him. There was like, no, Doc, he is the Clippers. But then you immediately saw the changes and you're like, oh, okay. I 
I kind of get this. I mean, the reason why Chris Paul left the Clippers in many respects was because of Doc. Uh, I think that Doc had some shitty things like I, I think he. I don't know. I mean, what I'm, did Paul George say after he said after the. Uh, oh, yeah. The like he wanted series to play, when they like, lost, he was like, we never adjusted. So that's yeah. why we lost. Yeah. Well, yeah, I think. Well, I mean, and that's and, and all ties about is adjusting. I would also argue that I think, you know, from what I understand, like I'm going to talk about I'm going to talk about a couple things here that may be uh, whatever. I, I believe them to be true. I don't think that Doc uh, practiced with that team that much. I think he is very much a coach who's like, you guys know what you're doing. Let's do it. And, and like all of a sudden you were reading like, oh, the team is taking it upon themselves to watch tape. It's like, wait, what? Why is it like? Why aren't we watching tape? Like, why aren't like why like why is the team like? Oh, we got to get on this. Like, there was no organization there, and I think it, it it splintered a unit that was functional. Like, you had this like the 2018-2019 unit, which was not all stars, but all uh, grit and grind, and it was a fun team to watch, and that was a really exciting Clippers season. Um, and it just kind of it just he didn't integrate the two. He didn't integrate the superstars into that. There's so many issues I have with him as a coach, and I just feel like, uh, you know, I, I thought it just shows. I mean, look, the 76ers is the perfect example of what Doc's issues are. Like, he talked about Ben Simmons, or he talked about the 76ers. Like, it's not a win if we don't get past the second round, you know? And then, like, and then, like, after he lost, he was like, you know, we got one game further, and it's it, where it's a slow building process. Like, you can't he can't even pick where he's at. And whenever you would ask him a question like, why didn't you win or what what happened here? He's like, yeah, it's you know, it's this is a league where you make shots and we didn't we didn't make shots. Tonight. It's like and where you could tell where now I've watched so many post game press conferences with Ty and Ty's like, well, they did this. They kind of they held us up here. We were tired here. We Like he's giving you a real answers, not just and look and, and game five or whatever the Saturday game was uh in or in LA before maybe it was game four where they just went on that four minute run of not shooting. Like yeah, they didn't make shots there. They were they were open. They just weren't making shots. So like that's we didn't make shots. But you can't just blame the Nuggets series on we didn't make shots. It's like, well you didn't trade you didn't swap out Montrez who shouldn't have ever been there. You didn't even play uh you know Joe Kim Noah like at all. Like why keep why even like just throw him in. It's at this point just get him in there. Get a body in there. I don't know. I have issues. I have issues. Uh, before we go, yeah. do you want to play this game I made up? It's a play on Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, which is where you take Kevin Bacon and you connect okay. him to anybody in the world. Okay. I'm but in. I'm in. We're doing NBA Kevin's. So okay, I was NBA thinking, Kevin's. since Kevin Love is rumored to be yes, not going to the Clippers, but like a it's a candidate to be yes. traded. Yeah. He's, the Clippers' name is in there, which is fun enough. There's also a bunch of other names, but we'll just yeah, act a lot like of look. Everybody is everybody wants everybody at this point. So yeah, I mean, who knows? Who knows? Is he going to be the um, person? We don't know. All right. <laughs> so Kevin Love. Kevin who, Love. Yes. I think since you're a comedian, since yes. it's a team of the comedians, you should try to connect him to Kevin Hart. Okay, Kevin Love to Kevin Hart. This is interesting. All right. All right, I'm going to like think about this for a second because mm-hmm. there's one easy one I can do. I can almost do this. I can do it in like three. Um, okay. But but I, I, I may I may hold that one back and try to go a little bit uh, a little bit harder. Okay. So I'm going to say 
Okay. <laughs> this is how I'm going to go. Kevin Love, I believe, was on The Sweet Life with Zach and Cody. Okay. So then, <laughs> all right. So that, like, so then I'm going to say that from Zach and Cody, I'm going to go to Brenda Song. Brenda Song was in, uh, okay, hold on one second. I'm just going to be like, Brenda Song dated Macaulay Culkin. Okay, so Macaulay Culkin's in Home Alone. Home Alone has, uh, I'm trying to figure out how to get to Kevin Hart. Home Alone has uh, um, Catherine O'Hara. Okay, and Catherine O'Hara was on, <laughs> uh, I'm really flying by, on Shit's Creek. Okay, all right, let's see now. All right, this is, I feel like I can get Eugene Levy to Kevin Hart. I feel like this is where I can, uh, all right, so I'm going to say like, Eugene Levy is in, oh God, what is it? A Medea movie. Okay, Medea Witness Protection. I don't know if that's the full name of it, but it is that something like that. All right, and so now I'm in that, and I'm going to say- uh, My stepmom it, loves that movie. I just, it has really? to be said. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> all right, so, uh, and then I'm going to say, all right, so, all right, so do I go, uh, uh, oh man, oh man, oh man, oh man. Okay, I'm gonna, all right, oh boy, this is, I'm really like making it hard on myself. You're gonna laugh when I tell you my easy one, which I could have been doing. All right, so then John Amos is in that. John Amos is in uh, Coming to America 2. <laughs> I'm really going too far. Coming to America 2 has uh so many people in it i've gone now i've gone too far i've used my eugene levy up and i'm gonna say uh it, all right so he had to be in something with uh tracy morgan right yeah tracy he's got so tracy morgan all right so tracy morgan's in coming to america too and tracy morgan and kevin hart are in i know it's something it's gotta be oh man fucking kevin hart where are you where could you be in that I feel like I'm so close. I feel like I'm no, like. No, definitely. I'm like, I'm there. I'm like, I'm like, all right, let's see. Uh, I could say that they've both been in car crashes. And uh, <laughs> so that, there, there's a connection. <laughs> Jesus Christ. But uh, they're both fine. They're both fine. They both they're recovered. Uh, but, uh, uh, but they've also done stand up together. Uh, oh, man. Uh, I see. Oh, man. All right. Oh, oh. Are they both in uh, top five? I think they might both both be in top five. The, check it out. Check my math that they're both in top five. Hang on, I'm I'm actually gonna Google that right now. Who did it? Top five. Chris, Chris Rock. Yes. Rock. Yep. 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 You're I did right. it. Woo. Chris Rock, Kevin Hart, Tracy Morgan. Oh my wow. gosh, that was a tricky one. That was I, I went I I I think I could have found a uh, a simpler in, but I went a little bit far. Now my other one would have been this. Uh, okay. This is my easy one. Kevin Love is in the NBA All Star Game in 2018. And uh, and also Kevin Hart is in the Celebrity All Star Game that same weekend. So there you go. <laughs> you know what? Just like the the Clippers, you took the gritty hard road, <laughs> and yeah, in the end, you got it. You won, and hopefully, it's the same outcome for them. There it is. There, I, I appreciate it. Right, thank uh, you. <laughs> let's end on that note. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Spencer's is hosted by me, Haley O'Shaughnessy, and Jordan Liggins. 
This episode was produced by Jordan, Isabel Jocelyn, Harry Krinsky, and Alex Ward. Our production coordinator is Devin Shepard, and our executive producers are Peter Moses, John Yales, and me. driving from Texas to Columbus, Ohio, and I just want to say I love your podcast so much, and I love how you guys don't skirt around the bush about anything, and you get into the nitty-gritty of it all, and that's what we all should be doing, so much respect, love you guys, have a good week.